You are listening to the Wool Academy podcast. This is episode number 69. Hello and welcome. My name is Elizabeth van Delden and once a week we talk to an industry expert from the wool industry supply chain from farm to fashion and beyond, delivering strategies and insights to be successful in wool and showcasing those beautiful stories wool has to tell. David Mitchell is the National Wool Manager for AWH based in Australia. AWH handles approximately 50% of the Australian wool clip that goes through auction. David, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you for your time. How are you? Thank you, Elizabeth. I'm very well. Excellent. I just gave a very brief introduction. So please tell us more about yourself and the work that you do. Okay. Um, I've been in the wool industry for, for a number of years now, um, starting with Elders, uh, one of the um, Australia's leading wool brokers back in the 1980s. And uh, when, when there was a lot of wool on the market back then, and um, we were heavily involved in um, the broking and rehandling of uh, the wool clip for Elders at that time. And then uh, in the early 90s, um, BWK came to Australia uh, from Germany and commenced their combing mill here in Geelong, uh, Geelong Wool Combing, and that provided an opportunity to, to join them. And we were um, heavily involved again in, in early stage scouring, combing and top making. Unfortunately, Geelong Wool Combing closed their doors in the early 2000s and um, that provided an opportunity to go into the wool carpet industry and uh, we, we got involved in um, yarn manufacture, dyeing, design of carpets and the like and recently uh, the opportunity came to go back to where it all began uh, with AWH and uh, here I am today. <laughs> um, <laughs> talking to you well you saw then pretty much uh like all different kinds of aspects of the supply chain from the beginning all the yeah. way to yarn making wow can i ask you why you entered the wool industry uh well i'm off the land from south australia um my, my parents managed a uh, considerable sheep station in the southeast of south australia so I've always had a um, connection to the land and, um, and and learning more about the, the wool fibre. Okay, so a lifelong career in wool, as it sounds. That's wonderful. And now tell us a little bit more about AWH and what kind okay. of services do you offer? Yeah, as, as, as you said in your introduction, Elizabeth, um, AWH, we, we, we are a... a a large logistics service provider here in Australia. We have um, 14 wool stores across the country, uh, and in total, some seven to 750,000 square metres of warehouse undercover. Of the wool that we handle, we probably consume maybe 50 to 60% of that square metrage, and that varies throughout the season um, as, as the clip is, is um, busy or, or larger during the springtime and uh, not, quite as, not quite as busy in the autumn time. Uh, 
So what we do, we, we handle all for the brokers. So our customers are the, the, the large broking houses here in Australia and they, they charge us to receive the wool for the grower, um, prepare the wool um, for, for sampling and, and testing through our core lines and uh, providing samples for the show floors um, in, our, in our wool selling centres in uh, Fremantle, Melbourne and uh, Sydney. And then we, uh, we provide um, the auction facilities and the sale rooms. And then post-sale, we, we engage the wool buyer as our customer for delivering the wool to, uh, to the terminal here in uh, Melbourne or, or, or uh, Sydney uh, and also Fremantle um, in Western Australia. And we also provide a uh, shipping and documentation service for, for our wool exporting customers who may wish to engage us to uh, take the wool from from um, Australian terminal through to a uh, main port destination? So we we're really pushing a lot of wool around uh, Elizabeth, um, but also we we do handle quite a lot of cotton, which is which doesn't come under my charter, but we would nearly probably handle more bales of cotton um, annually than we would wool. So that, that's pretty much what we do in a, in a, in a very brief um, introduction. Okay, yeah, and let's dig maybe a little bit deeper. Um, so can you maybe take us, we have one bale of wool that sits on a farm. Um, so how would that journey be? And how do you also make sure that you all can always know where each bale of wool is? Every bale of wool is is um, accurately recorded from the time it's received, um, and and we know exactly where he is at any point in the whole process. So um, primarily, when 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 the bale comes in to us, he's 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 marshaled up with uh, the rest of his um, friends in the clip, and when the clip is complete. Uh, the broker advises us that the clip is complete and we're giving some documentation to reflect the way that the wool is to be lotted or presented for sale. So then we match up uh, the wool clip as physically as received against the paperwork that he has provided us. And sometimes there's a few uh, problems there with duplicate bales or misdescriptions We tidy all that up for him and then we mark the wool into various lots um, as, as requested. From, from that point, the wool then goes to a, uh, a really large sortation machine and uh, the bales are fed into that and they're identified by their, by their lot number as they go through the, through the machine. So all the lots come out in their... In their um, presentation for coring or, or sampling. So from that sortation machine, uh, the wool will then be presented to the core lines, um, which, is, which is where we take a sample of wool for the grower um, and the buyer to inspect prior to sale. And that, that grab sample uh, is also used for length and strength measurement through the Australian Wool Testing Authority. And then the bale 
goes through to the uh, scales, is weighed, which is the official weight, and then goes on to the uh, coring process where we take a core sample of every bale, part of every lot, um, which is combined and goes off for the uh, micron and yield testing. After that, the bale's tucked away into a storage location and he's not touched until the wool is sold and we receive instruction from the buyer to move it for uh, shipment. Um, the bales are then brought out for, for a shipping order. Um, they're marked in accordance with the bull buyer's instruction at the, at the wool warehouse. And then from there, they're transported to our dumping and packing facility, either in Melbourne or Sydney and Fremantle, where they're consolidated, either packed or dumped into a ship, uh, into a container, um, and then uh, the container sealed and uh, and sent to the terminal for shipment. So that, that's that, that's it, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like a long journey. And I have one question to clarify. So a wool clip would be the whole wool that comes from one farm, and then a lot could be several clips together. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah, the, the 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 wool clip comes from one farm, and the lot is 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 the wool as determined by the wool classer, um, and and how that wool is to be presented for sale. So you might have, you may have a hundred bales in one clip, and a lot might be six or seven or eight bales as as classed in the wool shed, and um, and we will we will test those wools um, as as instructed to us by the by the by the broker. So a lot would typically be smaller than the whole clip. Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, the average the average lot size in Australia, uh, I think it's somewhere around six to six and a half bales mm -hmm. on on average, somewhere around there. Yeah, it varies. Okay. <clears throat> And then they're also sold um, in lots. Yeah, they're sold. They're lotted into a catalogue, mm -hmm. um, and then the the wool catalogue is. Uh, electronically transmitted to, to the wool buyers. There's a hard copy available um, to them. Uh, they go along with the catalogues, electronic or, or hard copy, and inspect each sample on the show floor. They make their own assessment um, on, on how well the wool will perform, either at scouring or, 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 or combing, and, um, and then they will direct those wools as they see fit for purchasing. Um, and then batching for, for a shipping order if they're successful in buying. Okay. Well, that already brings us to the auction floor, or auction room. Tell us a little bit more how that actually works. How should we imagine the auction? Well, the auction room um, is, is, is an open cry auction, and it's been, uh, it's been done that way for a very long time. Um, and uh, it, it's quite a simple process, and... Uh, it's 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 well well tried and tested, and um, has has um, it, it it works, and um, it, it's quite quite simple. The catalogue is um, presented uh, in a sale order uh, as as the wools are inspected, um, and then after the wools are inspected, they all go into a you know, classroom of sorts, Elizabeth, and uh, the auctioneer will will, will have the catalogue in front of him. And he'll have um, 10 or 15 wool buyers um, in, 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 in his classroom setting, and he will call the lot number and uh, an appraisal value or, or a value in cents per kilo. Um, and then the wool buyers will, will compete or shout their prices 
uh, to the auctioneer of what they're prepared to pay. And when the bidding stops, the last person with his price is the, is the winner of that particular lot. And, and, and uh, this goes on at the rate of um, oh, maybe 300 lots per hour. So um, if, you're, if you're doing um, six bales per lot, you're probably selling nearly 2,000 bales per hour um, in, in the auction room. Okay, that's, yeah. and how long is the, are the auctions for? Like how many hours? It... Oh, well, the, the auction room, there, there, there's two auction rooms. Uh, there's what they call a, um, a number one room and a number two room. The number one room is, is predominantly for the merino fleece and, and pieces, and the number two room is for, for the other walls, um, traditionally crossbred descriptions or, or, or carding descriptions. So... Um, You, auctions are usually over two days. Um, there could be, say, 40,000 bales um, nationally for a week, split up between Fremantle, Melbourne um, and Sydney. So Melbourne might be offering uh, 20,000, 25,000 bales for the week over two days, over two rooms. So the auction would not go probably maybe two or three hours in each room per day as an estimate. Yeah, and and I understand that actually the auction is itself is then done by individual broking companies. Correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so you don't have, do that. Uh, four or five. We have four or five broking customers, and and they will they will um, sell their respective catalogs um, as per a um, uh, as per an agreed schedule or timetable. Yeah. Um, roster system. And I always see three people in front of the classroom, so to say. What are their different roles? Well, then you have the auctioneer, and then on either side of him are the, um, are the, are the clerks, and, and one will be a senior clerk, and um, he, will, he will be instructing the auctioneer on, um, on, on the prices that are to be accepted or passed in. To the side, what you probably won't see, Elizabeth, is, is um, someone capturing those prices electronically. And that's where AWH come in. We, we capture all the prices that are, um, that are um, made and we transmit them uh, to, the, to, to the AWEX um, and then to ourselves for, for buyer invoicing overnight. So, um, so that, that they're the respective roles on, on the rostrum, the auction rostrum. Okay, and what do the also the buyers? What kind of things do they say? Do they cry out numbers, or do they just call their name? What do they say? No, it's always it's always in numbers. So um, so the auctioneer might uh, call lot number one. So he'll say lot number one and five hundred, and then um, one of the wool buyers might shout out four hundred and fifty cents. Or 450, and then another buyer might shout two, and the other one might shout three, four, and all of a sudden, when the bidding stops, the price is 454, and and whoever was the last person to to, to make that price, um, announce that price, uh, the auctioneer identifies him and and uh, sells the sells the lot and drops the hammer. Okay. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. And one last question: Why is it called open cry? Like, why is there the word cry in there? Do you know the history um, of that word? Well, the, the open cry is is is, um, is 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 all people 
are, are free to, to, to cry or shout their price. On, on quite a few occasions when, when bidding is very intense, you may have two or three buyers shouting exactly the same price um, at, at any given time. So the, the word cry is to shout or, or, or to make a public public announcement. Okay. <laughs> it, can, it can get quite animated. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I have to. I, yeah, you can watch the auction, but only from the outside, right? So you might not always hear exactly what people say. Or can mm. people also listen to the auction? Yeah, for the uninitiated, it's it, it's quite quite difficult to understand, but. Um, after a short time you, you start to pick up what's going okay. on okay perfect um yeah and you already mentioned that you record the prices and you transfer them so how does the actual transaction of money work okay that's 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 a little little bit complex to to, to explain but i'll but i'll have a go for you the um, once the wool is sold, um, ownership of the of, of the wool transfers from the from the uh, seller to the buyer on the fall of the hammer. But he has what we call up until a, a certain date to make a payment for the wool, which is what we call the prompt date, and that prompt date is usually the Friday following the wool sale week. So we will, after each auction, we will generate invoices on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night. The wool buyers will then have up until the following Friday to make payment. This is usually done by um, electronic transfer. Once the funds are received by us, um, we we let the um, uh, we are then in a position to release the wool to the wool buyer's instruction. So um, there are incentives. If the wool buyer chooses to pay early, the brokers will offer a uh, earlier um, payment discount. And there's also a penalty if he goes over the prompt uh, date. There's a penalty interest uh, incurred for for a late payment. Um, and that's that's and then the, and then the, the funds are transmitted uh, to the brokers each day, and then uh, they they account sale most usually on the um, the Friday following the sorry, the Monday following the prompt is when they when they account sale. And then they pay their customers, which are the wool growers. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that, the brokers will then pay their pay their wool growers via an, um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll transmit the money to the brokers, and then the brokers will then make payment to the uh, to the growers. Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much for giving all those detailed explanations. Now let's also talk about something that you have, which is called the electronic spec, or it's in short also e-spec. What exactly is that? What that is, uh, Elizabeth, we, we um, traditionally the wool classing in the shed at the conclusion of uh, shearing, a summary of the wool clippers is documented uh, in the wool book um, as, as shearing progresses. But at the end of shearing, all of that information is um, uh, put into what we call a wool classes specification. And that's pretty much how the wool grower would like the, uh, the wool to be um, sold in its respective lots. And that's, that's done in conjunction with the broker. Now, this is, this is an uh, automated um, 
document, uh, not an automated, it's a, it's a handwritten document that's been uh, done forever and a day. With today's technology, um, we have the, well, there is the ability to have all of this uh, electronic um, data capture being done on farm. Now, we have a little bit of a challenge here in Australia because it's such a large country. Um, not, not all wool growers are always going to be in um, range of, of a transmission or, or um, on, on their phone. But, but what we're trying to encourage, and we're, we're making moves towards this, and, and we're not the only ones, mind you. The, the Australian Wool Exchange are, uh, are dabbling in this. Um, Australian Wool Innovation are trying to go down this path. But we're certainly encouraging, uh, we're wanting to encourage to get wool growers to be able to electronically place the uh, wool clip information um, in, in, into an electronic format so that it can be transmitted to us. And we can have that information much faster than we, than we currently do. And what is the uptake by wool growers and wool classes on it? Well, it's it's we there's been there was a very strong attempt a few years ago to to have a big um, sales push on on this and it was poorly accepted at that time, but but we feel that the environment's now right to to uh, have a have a, have another go at trying to um, uh, trying to influence the grower to use this this new medium, but um, it's going to it's going to take a bit of time, but but uh, certainly the technology's there. And um, you know we can we can actually the best thing for us, Elizabeth, is to have the wool classes specification arrive before the wool, and that's and that's what we what we're wanting to try and achieve. So yeah, making everything along the supply chain more efficient and um, also efficient, less faster yeah, and less um, failures, and I guess, or mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but that's all about automation and technology. So warehouses have already included a lot of automation and technology. And tell us what kind of technologies are, have you made to your wool services? We've not made a lot of um, uh, automation changes, Elizabeth, and, and, and there's a couple of reasons behind that. Um, The, the electronic specification is now leading into um, RFID technology for identifying uh, bales of wool. Um, but the big, uh, probably probably the, the things that we've employed in recent times is the introduction of um, stack racking or, or, or racking of uh, wool, which has reduced our uh, physical footprint in a, in a number of our higher roofed stores. That would be one one um, um, uh, advantage that we've probably introduced in recent years. The other is the uh, the sortation machine, um, particularly in our bigger centres. Traditionally, uh, the wool is sorted by by hand, um, but these these large sort machines do this all automatically. We 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 certainly want to embrace automation, but um, as you can appreciate, uh, Elizabeth, there's some fairly significant uh, capital costs in doing that and we've got 14 sites across the country so <laughs> it would become a, an enormous um, cost to us to, to, to try and get um, automation to all of our stores but it's certainly not beyond the realm of, of doing it in, um, in some of our larger stores um, and it's certainly 
of interest to us in conjunction with um, RFID technology. Yeah. That's yeah, and um, we already talked to uh, Mark Grave from AWEX, and he he already talked about RFID and the work that's going on there. So that's really exciting. We we, we are um you know we we're quite aware of um uh, what Mark's doing. I mean we we talk quite often with with Mark and his team, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, doing some trial work with them again. We've done some trial work with them in the past, and, and we look, we really look forward to um, helping them. In, in their next round of trials, which I think should be this year. So um, we'll, we'll see how that all unfolds. <laughs> yeah, excellent. And do you see anything in particular changing in the next five to ten years when it comes to the services that you offer? Um, that's a really hard one, uh, Elizabeth. I, I think the biggest change that I see coming will be the electronic identification of wool. And I think we're very close, and, and, and we will probably see that certainly within the next five years. And um, that's going to that's going to help us a lot, but it was certainly going to help uh, the mills, the processing mills or the scourers, enormously. Um, and, and having a little bit of experience in, in, in how wool's prepared um, prior to um, processing or scouring, um, it's going to be it's going to be a big help for those guys. The other thing, the other thing too, with, with that with that um, electronic identification, will be um, the supporting data that that will go with it. And data is certainly a um, a buzzword at the moment, and um, we certainly see that as as, as the future in the, in the near term. Yeah. Okay, and now we talked a lot about the wool on like in your wool store and at auction but let's also talk about the export side of of yeah exporting raw wool so what would be like regulatory requirements for exporting wool that you know we typically wouldn't be aware of the um there's no uh no regulatory requirements um that i'm aware of apart from you know standard um um, health certificates and, uh, and, and and appropriate documentation, providing a lot lot of wool that's uh, traded on uh, letters of credit, providing they meet those uh, terms, then uh, then everything everything should be um, should be okay to go to go through. Um, what we are seeing, uh, Elizabeth, is we, we're seeing a, a fairly rapid decline in the percentage of wool that's dumped. To go overseas, and that's the that's the compaction of wool. Traditionally, wool's been um, dumped um, into a 20-foot container and uh, sent to uh, sent to Europe. And probably in the last um, more recent times, when, when when we've seen the change from Europe to uh, to China, uh, we're seeing a lot of 40-foot um, containers going back to uh, China at a similar similar rate sea freight rate as uh, 20 footers and they can pack the same amount of wool in them uh, without having to pay for um, dumping costs so you know there, there's there's certainly certainly a, a move afoot there that's um that we're certainly keeping an eye on dumping means that you compress the wool even yeah, further yeah yeah we mm -hmm. squeeze we squeeze two or three bales into the size of one so therefore we can we can make more more uh, kilos per, per cubic meter in, in, a, in, a, in a 20 foot container. So um, 
I think um, I think what are we we put um, I think it's about uh, 21 ton into a uh, dumped into a 20 20 foot container. We would only if we didn't dump that we'd probably only get half of that volume in. So um, you know there's a significant saving um, there. But but we get the same volume or the, or the same weight into a 40 foot container without dumping that. So and and, and the sea freight back to to China is is is, is quite attractive. Australia's um, importing a lot of uh, um, goods now from from China, and uh, we see an imbalance in forty foot containers into this country. So, the backloading rates back to back to China are quite attractive. Yeah, you already. Uh, well, my question was how many bales fit into one container. Um, so you said you can already compress three into one, yeah. but how many bales would it then be, like dumped and non-dumped? Okay, so um, the, 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 the two traditional methods of packing are dumping 20 foot, um, and we're doing 21 tonne there. So you're looking at about between 115 to 120 bales dumped into a 20 foot container. Or you can get the same quantity of wool into a 40 foot container, loose packed without dumping. And how many containers, containers would typically leave uh, Australia with wool? In a year. Oh wow! Okay. Well, we we probably need to do a we we probably need to do a bit of mathematics here, um, Elizabeth. Let's let's assume there's two uh, million bales um, sold at auction each year, and let's assume that every container will take uh, 115 bales. That would leave uh, about 17,000 containers. 20 or 40 foot leaving Australia every year. Wow, that's a big number. And majority goes to China and then the rest goes to yep. Europe. Most India. most about I think it's about I think it's about 80% now would be going to China and um, a little bit to India um, and uh, and Europe. Um, and of course there's a little bit of local processing too. We still we still have uh, a little bit of local processing here um, in Australia. But uh, predominantly, China is, 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 is the big market for greasy wool. Okay. Now, before we come to a close, I have one more personal question, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I didn't tell you about this one. Can you tell me what is your, your favorite aspect about wool or the wool industry? Without a doubt, the people that you work with. Okay. Because they're so the passionate. The people that you work or? with. No, they are. Um, we. I, I, I don't know how you would describe it, but you, you, could, you could you could call the industry a, a very big family. And um, whilst we all compete in certain parts, um, we we all have uh, great respect for for each other. Um, you know, the, the customers of very well established um, names, and uh, you know. It's just a pleasure to deal with, with people in the wool industry, without a doubt. Yeah, I tend to agree. That's true. It's a, it's a wonderful industry to work in. Now, where can our listeners find out more about AWH? Where should they go? Well, the, the, the traditional place is the website, which we are uh, looking to update at the moment, um, and that's www.awh.com.au. Um And uh, people are free to contact us um, or contact myself um, 
in any way, shape or form and, uh, and uh, see if we can help them. Um, but mostly our customers in the wool are, are brokers on, on the selling side and uh, Australian wool exporters on the, on the buying exporting side. So we don't take any positions in um, trading or, or um, uh, procuring raw wool for customers. We are a complete logistics service provider for, for wool brokers and uh, wool exporters. So you know exactly who your customers are and probably know them all by name, which is also very For unique. For a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really unique business model as well. Very um, small customer base, but very intense. Well, thank you so much, David. I really appreciate you explaining me everything um, that you do. It was really interesting. And I hope to be talking to you again in the future. Well, thank you for having me um, and, and the opportunity to talk to you today. And, uh, and uh, I hope you get some good, good feedback from, um, from, this, uh, from this interview. Thank you. <laughs> for sure. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with David Mitchell from AWH. If you want to find out more about David or about AWH, then I invite you to head on over to the show notes and have a look at elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 069. Once again, elizabethvandelden.com forward slash 069. If you are active on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or LinkedIn, then make sure to follow us on these platforms so that you are always alerted when a new podcast is coming out. I look forward to connecting with you there. Thank you and bye for now.